Welcome to Act Two by Choosing Him Ministries with Tisha Janes and Andrew Pate, a place where life stories are told, encouragement is shared, and hope is found. Good morning, listeners. We are so happy that you have joined us uh, today. We are excited. We have our first official male guest on Act Two today. So, Luke Ayers, good morning. How are hey, you? Good morning. I'm doing doing awesome on this Wednesday morning. Yay! And good. So Luke uh, runs a foundation, and we just want to hear a little bit about that today. But first, before we jump into that, we also want to just hear a little bit about you. So tell us about yourself. Okay. Um, that's always a really hard question when people <laughs> say, Luke, tell us your story. Right. Um, because uh, I've also told, I don't know if it's a God thing or uh, people are annoying, but sometimes uh, over and over, people say, wow, you have to write down your story. I kind of started doing that, but kind of scared of it too. Um, so I will say this, I'm born raised here in Newton, Georgia. Um, I'm one of a very large, crazy family. I have um, five sisters, two sister-in-laws, two brothers, five brother-in-laws. And um, I think we're up to 22 grandchildren in our family. So I have 22 nieces and nephews <laughs> and um so my parents, um, all same mom and dad, um, all of us together, people always ask like, so are you? I'm like, no, we're not. We're just a big family. Um, and uh, we're all here born and raised. I was the black sheep of the family when I moved far, far away to Sonoya. <laughs> so uh, I was- For those was, that don't know, Sonoya is like 15 minutes away from Newton. <laughs> right, so for all the listeners, I wasn't really the black sheep of the family. Mom just could not believe that I would move 12 miles away from mama's house. Um, so <laughs> it's a it. crazy cool thing. We've been here our whole life. Um, my parents uh, raised us here. And we were involved in church and sports and things. And every single one of us have um, worked at Chick-fil-A. Um, and we, we, uh, we, we tend to do things together. So about five years ago, um, we decided we were going to be entrepreneurs and we all started running for office and all started running and uh, starting our own businesses, our own foundations. So currently, I think all my siblings have their own business or have started their own business or um, are in some type of political office. And God's just kind of used our, I call it our redemption story, um, because with uh, if any listeners and, and you ladies, if you have a small family or big family, it doesn't matter. Everybody has stories. Everybody has, um, our family has a lot of pain, a lot of heartache, a lot of death, um, a lot of uh, addiction problems, and it probably only um, exponentially grows when you have a large family, right? The odds are, are more, and we all have um, a, a redemption story. For me personally, um, I, I grew up, and I grew up in a crazy big house and resented God a little bit. And we didn't have much, but we never needed anything. Like we always had God provided. Um, and through that um, left early age, um, you could imagine uh, my senior year in high school, 17 people lived in the house and 12 of them were female and I needed to get out. So I, left, <laughs> wow. I left when I was 17 um, in a positive way. I graduated early. I didn't even know that was a thing in 2007 um, and immediately jumped into ministry, immediately jumped into entrepreneurship at a young age 
and haven't stopped and I definitely have not slowed down since then. Um, fast forward through a uh, lot of story, a lot of pain, a lot of um, ups and down, downs and trials in life. I definitely feel like, and um, I'm sure my story will become more known. Um, I definitely feel like I'm on act two of my life. And I made a deal. I made a deal um, six years ago with the Lord. And I said, um, if you give me another 30 years, I'm 30 years old. If you give me another 30 years, I'll give you my best 30. I don't feel like that I've given God my best 30. So I'm excited to give him my best, right? And that's kind of where my story has led me to right now. Um, and which led to uh, me starting this foundation seven years ago with my father. Very cool. Okay, so talking about your next 30 and you feel like you're giving God the best, tell us when you feel like you really met God, when he really got a hold of your heart. Sure. Um, so uh, I am a lover of the outdoors um, since I was really young. Um, I mean, as young as three and four years old, I hear stories. I remember I'm, I'm kind of a, people tell me that you, you can't remember anything before you were five years old. Um, and I can vividly remember smells and taste and experiences when I was younger than three. Um, and I didn't know that's how young I was. But when I talk about things, my mom will talk to me and she goes, how do you remember that? You were not even walking yet. And I was like, I don't know, but I remember it. And I'll start sharing stories. And some of those stories were being outside, um, being left on the baby blanket, you know, by the pool because I was too young to swim, um, but crawling straight towards that water. Since I was an infant, I've wanted to be outside and next to water. And uh, I met with the Lord when I was 12 years old, up on top of a mountain range over in Alabama. And I was really confused because I thought because I went to church for 12 years, my whole life, that that was a good ticket into heaven. Um, I knew more Bible than any of my 12-year-old friends. I went to church more than any of my 12-year-old friends. So like me and God, we were tight, right? Um, but I'd never experienced grace, peace, redemption. I've never experienced uh, an all-night sleep without fear of something. Um, I was a really scared kid, and I didn't know why. Um, and I think the enemy knew at a really young age, now that I'm looking back, that I was going to be a world changer and a mover and a shaker. And he just started attacking me with fear and anxiety at a really young age. And I met with the Lord and for the first time felt peace when I was 13 on top of this mountain range. And looking back, that's where I tell people the Holy Spirit came inside my heart. Um, I didn't need music. I didn't need an aisle. I didn't need a preacher and I didn't need a church. I just met with the Lord and the Holy Spirit grabbed me. Um, after that, the attack really came on. Y'all know how that is. It's after the Holy Spirit grabs a hold of you. Now the enemy looks at me as the threat. Before I wasn't a threat. Now I was. Um, struggled through some high school stuff. Um, really had some family, like I said before, some resentment. Didn't really appreciate my parents. They had time for everybody else and not me. Um, little did I know, raising eight kids and grandkids and part-time jobs is hard, right? But a 13-year-old doesn't see that. Right. And um, when I left the house at 17, I actually started doing outdoor therapy um, with kids in, in, in different camp settings. And I really feel like the Lord grabbed a hold of my heart when I was 17. And I answered my call to do ministry um, that year. So it's like the summer 
between 2007 and 2008, I was working at a camp in North Carolina, still involved 15 years later in that camp. Um, and that's kind of where it started for me. And I haven't really looked back, to be honest. Um, I've been doing some sort of outdoor therapy, outdoor ministry, um, or international travel since, since that time. So you also have gotten into the ministry. Tell us how God called your heart to ministry because um, you're a youth minister at a local church right now mm -hmm. um, as well. So how did that road come about? Uh, so I grew up in ministry and I thought I didn't like church and I'm being very transparent. Every, all our listeners, I hope you're good with honest truth and transparency. That's all um, we want. <laughs> good. Because I've, I've, I've learned a lot of people don't like transparency and vulnerability because it's hard. Um, I well, found this out, is not the podcast for you if you don't like transparency <laughs> and honesty. <laughs> I, have, I found out that I wasn't frustrated with church and I wasn't hurt by the church. I was frustrated with church people and hurt by church people. Mm -hmm. um, so I was called to the ministry at 18 and started doing ministry. I felt like God wanted me to step into the local church to minister and come alongside the local church and come alongside students who were struggling and needed a shepherd, right? People have pastors, but people needed a friend, a confidant, a cheerleader, a, a challenger, accountability partner, a counselor, and a shepherd. Um, and I felt like I'd done those things pretty well for 10 years. Um, and God had an opportunity where a local church here in my local community that I've been a part of, right? I've, I've been a part of, I've been around my whole life, um, but had a gap of growing youth ministry with no person to lead the flock. Um, and it was like a fast growing ministry without spiritual growth, right? It was growing in quote numbers, students showing up, but not spiritual growth. So I was really disobedient for about, I don't know, three months, four months of going, nope, not interested. Nope, I'm not doing that church life. Nope, people are gonna try to hold me down and hold me back. And finally I gave in to obedience and I said, if you allow me to continue doing my foundation and what God's called me to do in the darkness and in the nations across the world, I'm, I'm, I'm game. I'm all down to do this. Now, it was kind of a Gideon test because I know that no church wants to share their youth pastor. No church wants a youth pastor to be part-time. So I only gave them that deal. Hopefully they would say, okay, we're not interested, <laughs> but God had a different plan. And they said, perfect that fits perfect with what we're what we need i was like wow. okay god i'm down let's do this thing and that was uh that was three years ago well i know personally my daughter has been underneath your leadership um there at that church and it has mm -hmm. blessed us not just her but our whole family sure. um, my son did not have that leadership for a part of his time in high school and um and he struggled with that so to have that foundation as my daughter leaves and goes to college um so let me say thank you right now. Hey, you're so on. welcome. And I, it's, that's one thing that I, uh, when I first started in the church, I like, I remember standing on stage and said, Hey, um, I don't fit in a box. So moms try not to fit me in a box. Uh, dads, I'm going to love your kids probably more than you will. Like I'm going to show your kids more affection than you will. So step it up. I mean, this is day one. I'm day one. You, you know, they're <laughs> announcing me. And I was like, Moms, I need you to let your kids grow up, so don't be a helicopter. <laughs> and I said, and it is not my job to disciple your kids. That's your job. 
Wow. Oh, that's awesome. You know, so I was a very shocking thing, but, and this is the reality, and you will, re you will agree with me, is my goal was to present a student, if I have them for one year or four years, right? I haven't had your daughter and Trip and all these other athletes for four years. I've had them for two, right? Or I've maybe had them for one, a new believer, I've had them for six months. And um, my goal was whether I meet them for two months or if I get them for six years, because we do middle school and high school, is my goal is to, what scripture says, present them mature in Christ and wherever they may go. So, if they're going to Mercer or they're going to Auburn or they're going off or if they go to Yamaha and go to the work field or if they go to another country, right? And I have sent students in the last 10 years all over the place. And my goal and my obedience is to present them mature. And I can honestly say, I'm sending you the best of the best, right? And if not, that's mom and dad's fault. <laughs> you got them their whole life. I only got them for two years, right? <laughs> Well, I appreciate your heart on that. Um, yeah. I, I really do. It's, it's very, your passion, your honesty, um, it's very inspiring. So lead us a little bit more past that journey when you stepped on um, and tell us what Hope Global is, um, yeah. what, how that seed was even planted, um, how it began and um, what God is doing through it. Sure, sure. So one, I, I tell this story a lot and this is the part of my story. Um, honest moment that I started writing down um, because I don't want it to be forgotten is uh, there was a practical seed planted and a spiritual seed planted. Um, practically, um, I saw a big issue in minorities um, in my community here in Coweta County, and I saw a major um, underserved community in the local city projects. Um, not a lot of churches were involved. Um, they're very underserved when it comes to Title I schools. If listeners are familiar with what that is, um, just low-income families equals poverty, equals de desperation, equals poor decisions, equals crime, right? And it's a spiraling issue um, that starts with just practical un being underserved. And that was the practical side of I knew with my talents networking, connections, fundraising ability. I'm a professional fundraiser. I knew that there would be um, a practical side to that. So my practical side is I started working in counseling through the state department because um, I could have access to hurting students immediately. And I got paid really, really well to do it. Mm -hmm. um, and I joined the Georgia State Outdoor Therapy Program. So that was also like my passion. I got paid a lot of money. I can't believe I'm getting paid to do this, but then the spiritual seed was planted that the state was paying me to put a lot of band-aids on situations that were bleeding out. You can't put a band-aid on a cancer. You can't put a band-aid on something that a band-aid doesn't fix. And I felt like the Lord told me, I actually traveled back to the original mountain when I was 13 up on, on, on the rock Ridge is what we call it. And um, I drove down to Franklin and I stood up there and I said, Lord, you're going to have to tell me because I'm making too much money doing what I love. And he revealed to me, and I believe there's probably only a few times in life that people would say my entire life, God spoke to me. Um, I think this was probably the first time. And I heard God tell me that I was a really bright light in a room full of lights and that he called me to be a light in the darkness. So I felt like church world was great. 
Christian camp was great. Father-son campouts were great. Team building was great. I got paid a lot of money to do these things. But it was time for Luke Ayers to take his bright light into a dark, dark, hurting world. And that's where it took probably, I told you before, I was disobedient for three months. It was like 24 hours later, I called my boss, I called the chief counselor, I called HR department, and I called my business partner because I had a side business doing um, team, team building. I called all of them and I said, I'm putting my two weeks notice and I'm going on vacation. So I actually didn't work out my two weeks. I just went on vacation and I called it prayer and planning. And I said, Lord, dear heavens, show me what I'm supposed to do next. Wow. And I just knew it was being a light in the darkness. Um, we filed paperwork, started the foundation almost seven years ago, um, started raising money. Um, I didn't have a job, so I started cutting grass to pay my bills. <laughs> you know, you, I just started like trusting the Lord to provide. And um, it really, really grew exponentially, not only financially, but the partnerships um, with the city court. Um, I started working with the same probation officers that I was working for before, except this time, I'm not held by the state and the government standards. And this time they couldn't tell me what and when I had to do things. They didn't tell me when I had to be at this class and what I was allowed to say at this class. I didn't work for the state anymore. My accountability was God. My boss was my board of directors. And um, that's that was the standard. And we pretty much kept it that way since. Um, I am the executive director. My father and I founded it. We founded this um, nonprofit. Um, we are... Everything up to date and legal, that was a hard part for me because I came out of business world and counseling world of like making sure all your legal entity to be a 501c3 and businesses want to donate money, but only if they get the tax break. So I will say that, that I, I, have a, 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 I have my counseling and all that background, but I had to start YouTubing and getting reacquainted with things I've never done before. Yeah, um, it's nonprofit is a whole different world. I've had to learn that myself and with choosing him and it's, it's overwhelming. It's, yeah. It's, it's hard. Yeah. So those are kind of how it went practically and then spiritually to start Hope Global. Okay. So with so, Hope Global, um, so you're meeting, and what does that look like when you yeah. say, and spiritually talk about that too, about how, how does God work not only in you, but through you with that as you're meeting needs? For the yeah. So um, the first thing we did, scripture talks about gatekeepers if you want to get to the king you got to get to know the gatekeeper right and so i started meeting what i thought were the gatekeepers of this community the people who are trusted the most the people who have the key to the front gate the people who will talk only good about what god's doing and what we want to do right and i found out real quick it was black women over the age of 70 so I started meeting their needs. That's how I started meeting their needs is underserved black females who are widows or single grandmothers or grandmothers raising their grandkids. Um, and we started meeting their needs, simple needs. Like we're getting a, a complaint from the city because our grass is too tall. Well, we went and bought five lawnmowers and started cutting grass. And I can't get to my mailbox because my stairs on my front porch are rotten. So I can't get to my mailbox. Well. I went to Home Depot and we built some stairs, right? So for about three years, we didn't have a youth center. We just met the needs of the elderly in the community. Then we partnered with the city 
we remodeled a building. Um, we raised about $100,000, put it directly into the youth center. And we actually, the city of where I live is um, the landlord. So it's a partnership, right? It's their building, but we get to occupy it, which is a crazy thing for any listener who's scared to raise money or scared to partner with the government. I can just tell you this. When I went to get in this building to start a youth center, when I decided to not buy the building and let the city be the landlord, guess who replaced the roof and the $50,000 air condition and the new floors and the new bathrooms? It wasn't our nonprofit. The city of Noonan did that, right? So it was a strategy. And that I will directly say this to any listener who's scared to strategize. Everything in the Bible and in our bodies is systematic. God created systems. And I will say this, that God created and put in scripture, faith without works is dead. So I was willing to have faith that God was going to provide, but I was also willing to work with the government to provide what God's plan was. Um, a lot of times it's got to be either or, right? Faith or works. Grind hard or pray hard, right? And y'all have heard the saying before, and it's my anthem, but pray like it depends on God, but I'm waking up today and working like it depends on Luke. Hmm. You know, that's just how um, I've had to keep going and, 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 and surviving. And what that looks like here at the youth center is we have a safe space for any kid is completely free. We have never charged a dollar in almost now going on four years for any kid to come after school and just have a safe place. Now, where we are, I can say this, we're in an underserved black community in the middle of the government projects. There's actually four projects here in Noonan and we're in the dead center. There's West Side, East Side, Highland, and Summit. Like there's four of them, and we're in the dead center. That what that means in our community, and it's public record. But this is the highest crime area. This is highest homicide, highest suicide rate in children, highest teen pregnancy in 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 um, girls under 17 years old. All are in this community, and it's about I don't know 3,000 people. Um, out of the 100,000 that are here in our city. Um, and it's a, it's a very concentrated area. So for me, I look at that as very concentrated, easy ministry, right? Um, we are this, to be very transparent, we're a non-faith-based, nonprofit organization led by and fully funded by gospel-focused people. Does that make oh, sense? I love that. I love that. So, so we are a non-faith-based, which is also why I have a school badge and I didn't pay to go to the Noonan baseball game last night and I have a badge to get into the juvenile court so I don't go through security I just go to the judges chambers right this was a system and a strategy that God revealed to me seven years ago that we need to lean towards non-faith-based because honestly these days there's so many faith-based ministries and nonprofits that start and you don't know the validity of them so I wanted to go with the trust route and behind the scenes, you know, we, we even like raise money to like smuggle Bibles into third world countries, right? It's like, we'll, we'll partner with the government, but we're going to be kingdom focused, um, which has led us to partner in, we're international. Um, so you can ask questions about this and we could talk later, but one of the things that we expanded is we have the Hope Center here, but we started partnering in Jamaica, duplicating it, trying to make it happen. We tried to duplicate it in Nicaragua, which is in Central America. It didn't work like we did it here. So we asked the Nicaraguans, what do you need, right? Just like we asked the elderly black 
ladies here, what do you need? We asked the Nicaraguan mothers, what do you need? And they said, we need our kids to be healthy, to learn English and have opportunity. I said, okay, well, let's start with food. I'm a country boy from Georgia. I farmed and done cows and gardens my whole life. So partnered with a guy down in Nicaragua and we have a very large farm. When I say large, we feed about 1500 kids every day. Off wow. that farm. Off the farm and it's completely free, fully functional, solar power. Um, uh, we have donors that donate specifically to Nicaragua. We'd like to get Noonan self-sufficient because it's kind of crazy how we thought Noonan because of being in the US would be easier to fund and be self-sufficient. But helping in this community is a little less emotionally attachment, but helping people in third world countries is a little more emotional. So in, in the nonprofit spectrum, most people give money in large amounts to more emotional things. Um, so I'm not complaining. We're fully funded for the next two years in Nicaragua, feeding 1400 kids. We're about to open a soccer camp. That's gonna be an opportunity. We're partnering with schools and parents. And this is a side note, I only have five employees. It is fully run, it is fully ran by volunteer moms who cook the food. We just deliver it. We deliver fresh food, fresh fruit, um, fresh veggies, and they cook it. They provide the firewood, they provide the cook, they keep the kids in line and in order, and they make sure every kid has a bowl. Um, we don't pay for that and we don't have to do that. And then what's been amazing is because children will walk for a long time to get free food. And we've had other partners and other churches jump in there and we call them feeding centers or Centro de Esperanza, Hope Centers. And we get to share the gospel while the kids are in line. We got to have pinata on Easter, right? Because this is different in the U.S. We don't cook on a grill and microwave. It takes all morning to get a fire going to cook for 100 kids, right? So we have lots of personal time that we don't get in the U.S. because of parents and sports and school and all this busyness that in third world countries, they don't have busyness. All they got is time. We even call it Nicaragua time. All they have is time. So we're trying to learn from both youth centers, both staff, and it's hard. I'm learning Spanish. I'm trying to get to Nicaragua, but COVID and Delta doesn't want me to go there, you know? Right. And so it's been, it's been really cool and a huge, huge, scary learning experience. That's, That's amazing. really amazing. Uh, Andrew, did you have something a minute ago you were going to ask? No, you basically asked the same question. So you were good. You yeah. beat me to it. Yeah, I had no idea that Hope Global expanded past the, what you've done. And that, you know, actually, I was hope I was initially introduced to Hope Global through the tornado that hit Noonan, um, and how and you you were boots on the ground. You were right there, you know, helping, and um, that was really incredible to see. Um, yeah, I accidentally, I accidentally got a a trademark, and I should have I should have had it. It's out in my truck. Um, when the tornado first happened. Um, of course I called all my farmers with tractors and chainsaws. And then I called the city and said, Hey, Hope Global is going to open up as a base camp. So send the fire department and first aid and police and resources here. We're in the middle of the community in downtown. Um, I'll clear the streets. They're like, well, it's going to take us a couple of days. I said, it's going to take me five hours. Just, just get here. Right. And so people, instead of giving my cell phone number out, they said, go downtown, go to this street. And they literally would say, find the short guy in the cowboy hat. 
Because <laughs> <laughs> I was literally on top of trucks, pointing people, no, we need this chainsaw this way, that way. And they were like, find the guy in the cowboy hat. He'll tell you, people came in with donations and water and food. Find the guy with the cowboy hat. So now I'll see people in the community a year later. They're like, hey, man, where's your cowboy hat? <laughs> because, you know, I also have my work cowboy hat. If I'm on the farm, I have that one that keeps the sun off of me. And then I have my nice ones that I wear to my weddings, right? Oh, you're so, so if funny. I, like, I officiate a wedding, you'll see me in my nice white hat, right? So, so it, 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 so it was funny. funny how the tornado, because listen, I have no training in disaster relief. But I had resources and I had a bunch of people who wanted to help. And a lot of times they just need a guy on a bullhorn telling them where to help people. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. And that's how kind of Nuna Strong, um, hashtag Nuna Strong kind of came. And then local partners, uh, Nathan Brain and Joy, shout out to them of like, we should do a music festival to raise money. I was like, okay, I don't know how to do this, but I'll try it. Wow. So you were a part of that. They've got Alan Jackson in town. Uh, yes, I was a part of the conversations. And I also said, hey, I'll help figure out what we need to do with the money. I don't want to be on any team to plan that big thing. Because I knew when 50,000 people were going to try to get to the fairgrounds, it was going to be chaotic. Yeah, we watched it, be, it from home. <laughs> it would be amazing. I, uh, I got in my car and drove five hours away. I was in South Georgia um, for that concert. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I love the fact that you have so many hats that you physically wear because you also wear many hats and the jobs. And well, that's that's been the that's been the joke of uh, of the year of Luke wears legitimate physical so many hats. And uh, uh, even today, I, I, I met with a coach and I he asked me, he goes, so you got your church hat on or your or your, you know, what hat do you got on today? I was like, I don't know. You don't go to my church. So I'm going to say I have my Hope Global hat on. <laughs> And it's really funny when I'm at the courthouse, juvenile court, with a Hope Global student. And in the waiting room is one of my church students. <laughs> so it is funny when my hats overlap. Yeah. Um, and it does happen a lot in fundraising. And it does um, in events. Like, for instance, yesterday, um, I sat beside um, several students that y'all know. And I sat beside them who are part of our church and then God really cool orchestrates some students who play on the same sport teams, but don't know me in the church setting. They know me from the neighborhood. They know me from the basketball court. They know me as, sorry, I got emotional with this one. They know me as that's Mr. Luke who did my little brother's funeral. Mm -hmm. Right. And the first time he ever stepped in a church was when I did his little brother's funeral. Um, but he plays, on a sports team at Newton High School, right? Mm -hmm. So it's really cool that I get to sit with some of my church seniors who know me and interact with me different and we're Christians and we are filled with the Holy Spirit, but this other guy is interacting with me in a whole different light. So I like, and this is what I say about with Gideon, is it is one of the things that I love uh, to see fruit of my labor. And I beg God all the time, if I'm going through something, if my anxiety or strongholds that I have in my life kind of like creep back up, I just ask to see fruit because I know there's some type of ministry where you plant seeds and you'll never see the fruit. You'll plant seeds and I call them seeds of an oak tree. You'll never see that thing grow. You'll be dead and gone before someone hangs up a swing in that oak tree, right? Mm -hmm. That's just a plant seed. So 
not here, but my other office at my house, I have this little mustard seed because I actually got, I brought it home from Israel, from a mustard field, from that scripture, faith of a mustard seed moved mountains. Well, I sat in a mustard field next to the Sea of Galilee and brought this mustard seed home. And next to it is a picture of a big oak tree, right? And it keeps me memorized. It keeps me focused on, I plant seeds that are really small. I never will get to see what it looks like. But sometimes I go to the Lord and I'm a farmer and I said, Lord, I'm planting corn seeds because it takes about 22 days for corn to grow. <laughs> so I'm like, Lord, I need to see some fruit, right? I'm like, I, I've been, I've been laboring hard. I need to see some fruit, right? Um, and I call those corn seeds because I can see that fruit fast. Um, and that's the example. That's the, the student who goes through a traumatic episode um, to getting saved, to getting baptized, to going to a summer camp. That's what I call fast fruit right um and cause two reasons he graduates in three weeks and i may never see him again that's okay because i've seen the fruit i know i know and i'm confident of where he's going right um which is crazy because i'm so excited how god's worked out out where i'm going in life um this is another time another episode of what we're doing at the hope farm um down in middle georgia near macon in milledgeville and I keep getting more excited every time I see a student headed down to Mercer University. I'm like, yes, I still get them. <laughs> okay, so I know you said another time, but I want to touch on that for just a second because I'm getting ready to start spending a whole lot of time down in Macon at Mercer University with my, my daughter and, and her boyfriend and my nephew and, and a whole yeah. group of friends. So tell us a little bit about that because that's something I've been very curious so about. You've heard, you've heard the stories of outdoor therapy and my passion from three years old to right now. Right. So the, I've been begging the Lord for 10 years to give me a property so I don't have to borrow my uncle's cow farm or my friend's lake house or drive four hours to the mountains, right? I need, like, I really want to use property for God's glory and do outdoor therapy. So I met a guy, he's 86 years old, and here's the really fast version. He was selling a property that's about... $1.3 million worth, large farm, 250 acres, farmhouse, ponds, creeks, fields, trees, turkey hunting, deer hunting, the whole nine yards, everything you could think of one of the most beautiful properties in the state. And we're having an Oreo blizzard um, together. And I made a joke and I said, oh, you should just, you know, sell me that farm, sell Hope Global, our foundation, that farm and take a million dollars off. And we finished our, you know, our, uh, Oreo blizzard. And we went home. We went our separate ways. Two days later, he calls me and you know, the feeling when you're trying to say something and keep the lip from quivering, I could hear it in his voice that he was trying to prevent tears, but we were on the phone and he was talking like this and was like trying to catch his breath. And I was like, okay, he's either sad, emotional, or he's just an old guy who can't catch his breath. Right. And he, I said, spit it out. And he said, my wife and I have been praying for 10 years and we decided we're going to go with what you said. I was like, what do you mean? He goes, we're going to, we're going to take a million dollars off. So if y'all want to buy it, y'all can. I'm like, what? He goes, well, what I'd like to do is y'all just buy the house and we'll donate the 250 acres. And I was like, well, what are you talking about? And he was a mentor of mine. He goes, I talked to my CPA and because of my age, he's 86, because of my age, if I donate the backtrack of land to Hope Global, I'll never have to pay taxes again for the rest of my life because of the value of it. It's an in-kind donation worth a million dollars. And I was like, okay, this is terrifying. Um, let's just say this. A few days later, 
we drop a contract a few months later, we close. And now we own a farm in Milledgeville, Georgia, where we've taken kids on spring break. We're going to take them all summer long. We've taken kids and teaching them skills and we've teach them. um, uh, Not only that, it's only a couple hours away. So it's just far enough to feel like a trip, but close enough. I can get home. Right. So we've been taking kids. I've been taking uh, football players from Mercer University, uh, Georgia College in Milledgeville, Georgia Military College. And then our goal by the end of summer, um, for anybody in the Georgia area, um, our goal is in the summer to open three Airbnbs on the property because the houses are there. And we found out that there's a lot of opportunity for our nonprofit to raise money in the business spectrum, but also it's a whole nother level of hunting and fishing and farming. And I really believe it's not just going to be our kids here in the projects, but it's going to bring like healing to broken marriages and uh, a retreat space for burnout for, women, for women's ministries. Oh, I was about to say <laughs> for pastors and women's ministries who, who, and I'm being honest, who don't in today's, in today's inflation, who don't want to spend $500 a person to go to Nashville. Right. Right. Because that's the nearest retreat center, you know, but I could say, Hey, if y'all help me with this little project, here's the key. Here's the code. I don't even have to be there. Right. So we're just praying now that God's provides uh, college students to help us cut the grass. And, you know, uh, we're about to redo the floors and we're just praying like, okay, God, we have this thing. Now you're going to have to provide, you know, so it's a, uh, it's been a, roller coaster and when i say new that's this year brand new it's kind of been on the on the da- on the dl yeah. right because yeah. the more you talk about things the more people get excited and the busier i have to get <laughs> right no i hear you that's amazing that is super super exciting and um, one thing i know when when i started choosing him ministries um i was really struggling about whether to leave my job you know go full time with choosing him continue to do it part time did i want to like walk away from a salary whatever and my husband's advice to me was so Tisha, when, when God gave you the blessing of the job that you're in, the ministry and that I was getting paid for at that time, um, he said, you know, you took that blessing and you were so thankful and you held it so close. He said, but if you only take that one blessing and you hold that one blessing so tight, you've closed off your hand for any other blessings he wants to give. Right. And uh, he said, so you walk around like this. And, yeah. and so I was such a huge thing. And he said, seriously, Either if you're going to serve him, you serve him wholeheartedly with everything um, to step away from your paid job. So I did. I did. And it was, and that's came to my mind as you were talking about, like you could have right. held the blessing of Hope Global Noonan really tight. You know, like this is, this was the one vision God gave me. I'm going to focus in on this. This is where I'm going to stay. Mm-hmm. But you have walked around literally with hands open wide. And it is really, really inspiring and cool to see the way that God has shifted your vision and your, your ministry, your outreach and your influence, um, right. not just with one age bracket, but across all ages. And yeah. And it has been bizarre. Um, one of our, I would say this, one of our most consistent givers um, is a uh, elderly black woman here in town. Um, and she's on a fixed income. So it's $20 here or there. Right. But the most consistent she does candy during Easter and candy at Halloween. And yesterday was her birthday and we redid her back kitchen and her back porch after the tornado. And it was just so sweet to sit there in the neighborhood till the sun goes down, right? And sitting on this porch because it's her birthday. And she kind of sat there in tears and said, 
if you didn't come, I don't think anybody was going to come. Like her kids, her family, her friends, they're, they're non-existent in, in, on her birthday. Right. And I just didn't grow up like that. Right. Right. Um, and, and I told you about me moving to the other side of the, the city I live in, like every Sunday, my entire family is at my mama's house. Right. This is not like a once a year thing. It's every time my mom today is worried about not having the power on because of a storm last night because all the grandkids are coming swimming. You know, it's like all these things. So um, it's been really cool from little kids. We have three year olds that walk here without a shirt on because they got, the, you know, their their babysitter is their nine year old brother. Right. So he's the man of the house. And then it goes all the way to this 86 year old who I go and sit with, you know, on a porch. Um, and a huge prayer request is I'm working on um, moving about six houses down from the youth center. And I will truly be infiltrated here in the community because I am, I'm trying to buy a house right here. It was a tornado affected house. And I'm trying to buy a house right here in the community. Um, Cause I kind of joke, I live out in the country. And I said, how do you love a neighbor by your, love your neighbor as yourself? If you don't have any neighbors. <laughs> um, so that's a huge prayer request for, for me personally, because I'm personally trying to buy a house. Um, so I can be, I could literally walk to the youth center every day. That's wonderful. Wow. Yeah. Um, I imagine as a, a lot of our listeners listen to people's stories, and um, one of the one thing that's easy to do is to disconnect and say, that is really cool that God has worked in your life and that He's mm-hmm. doing that through you. And they can totally disconnect because they don't feel like God is working in their life. And right. like, my story doesn't match your story. I, God right. has not used me. So what would be your advice um, to women mainly that are listening? And we do have men too. But when they sit there and they're listening to your story and they're like, that's great for you. Um, I just don't, I don't know how to see God work in my life and I don't know how to serve him like you do. Sure. So I would say like, Stop waiting. Start writing it down on a napkin. Like start typing it with your thumbs. Cause I always say, you know, I grew up in a house full of women and I'm like, look, some of these women can use their thumbs, right? And they get on that phone, open a note, get on your computer, start writing it down. That business idea, start now, research it, Google the word that you want to start a business in and learn something. Cause I'm telling you, I did not know how to start a nonprofit. I did not know my dad and I didn't. People are like, how did you start a nonprofit? He goes, we bought a book called how to start a nonprofit. That was the other thing I would say is I used to really be a lazy person and not read. Uh, my goal in 2022 is to finish 45 books. So that's a, almost a book a week, but some of them are hard books. So I'm a slow reader, um, but I read, I read, I read because um, with knowledge and if you apply the knowledge, um, shame on us if we know something and don't apply it. Um, so I felt like I didn't know enough. Um, uh, and I feel like our education system for any educator who's listening right now, um, you would agree with me that the education system accidentally sets up entrepreneurs and passionate people to be lazy and fail because they put education in a box and then expect that learning of the early age that now you're done learning for the rest of your life. Right. And that was my big struggle after college was like, okay, so now I'm not supposed to learn anymore. I've, I've reached the top. And I would say that to anybody who's struggling with the, the leap, you know, um, do something you've never done before. I preach that all the time. So, 
Uh, if anyone contacts me or texts me, I dare you to send me a message and say, have you done this before? Because the answer is probably yes. Um, someone challenged me on Facebook one day, said, bet you've never jumped out of an airplane. The next morning, I called my best friend, Adam. I said, hey, will you meet me in Center, Alabama? I bought us two uh, skydiving tickets. He was like, what? I said, this person challenged me on Facebook. I've never done it before. So the very next morning, I took a, a PTO day and jumped out of an airplane, right? Wow. And this is a, a figurative speech that Steve Harvey uses is jump out of the airplane and trust the guy who folded the parachute. You can't be, you can't know everything, right? But I know how to help people. And I trust my board and other people to know how to fold the parachute. I, my job was just to jump, right? That had one easy job. When listeners, everything in your human God-created body says, stay in this perfectly safe airplane. Right. Stay, stay in that perfectly safe job that promise you a 401k and insurance. Stay there. That's where your mind says, right? Um, and I uh, agree with that, that it is safe. But I have been the most happy, the most peaceful when I do things uncomfortable. And usually in my young experience, if it's uncomfortable and scary, it's probably exactly what God's pushing you to do. <laughs> experienced that in my life too. Yeah. And I, from from your story, I hear really a really undermine underlining theme that you said, even going back to the mountain, when you said you heard from God specifically that day was that you, you found a love for God and then you found a love for God's people. Mm -hmm. And um, that has been from what I'm hearing you, your driving force is that you love right. people. You want right. to meet them where they're at and you're going to serve them. And the manner of that changes um, and you're open to however that is, but that seems to be the core value of who you are and that what Jesus commands of us is to love God and love others. And so I would encourage our listeners as you're hearing this, that, you know, it, it may not be a season where you go and start a foundation. It may not be a season where you're leaving your job, but you probably have a neighbor down the street that could use a meal or could use their grass cut. You have somebody who would love to go to church one day, but maybe their car doesn't work and they don't have a way, or yeah. maybe they would love to go and they don't have any physical issues, but they don't want to go alone. They, they don't want to go alone. And maybe they've never been invited. Exactly. Exactly. So that's, I would start for our listeners. I would start where God has planted you at this moment. Look around. And, um, you know, for us, we have to intentionally walk out to our front yard to see our neighbors because our driveway drives to the back of our house. We literally right. could go in and out of our house every day for months and not see one neighbor if we didn't walk out. And, and that, people do it. Yes. People yes. do it. And, we, and we've been guilty of that. And mm -hmm. um, I've been very convicted about that. But that would be like, if, as we talk with women, like, where do I start? How, do, how can I be used of God? You know, I, I'm, I'm not equipped. People feel inadequate. And so that is the barrier between um, stepping out and letting God just, propel you into many things. Um, but that would just be my, my advice is, you know, start where you're at, look around um, your neighbors, look around in the place in your church or your clubs or your work, wherever you're at and the people that are around and listen, listen for their needs, listen for their hurts and their struggles. And God will open up those doors for you. to. And I, I, I get picked at a lot. People, my family and friends pick at me a lot about how much time I spend outside or sleep outside or, you know, go, go teach a kid about a, a piece of grass or a caterpillar. But I've learned that I meet with God the best outside. Um, God intended us to be outside. He intended us to sleep when the sun's down and be awake when the sun's up. Um, so I joke with people all the time of, 
you spend a lot of money to have perfect grass and you never go lay out in the grass. And I say, you, you, the sun sets every night, but you wait to post a picture of a beautiful sunset when you're at the beach once a year, hmm. you know? And I'm like, the sun rises. And this is a weird thing for me. I prefer sunrises more than sunsets. But the spiritual side of that is because the Bible says when pain comes in the night, joy stand by, joy comes in the morning. So I enjoy at most sunsets as I'm ending some painful days. But Amen. when I wake up, I when I wake up, when I wake up and see the sunrise, I'm like, bring it on enemy. You know, it's like, so it's different. So I would encourage people um, in this new spring and summer season, stop staying inside so much. Wow. That's a, that's a great perspective and a, and a great challenge probably to us all. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Luke, we always ask our guests this um, at the end of a podcast, but sure. what do you want to be remembered by? I have a pretty good idea after talking with <laughs> you, but I want to just hear it. Okay. So I'm going to quote, and then I'll tell you my personal. So one of the quotes um, that I use from a mentor of mine, um, he says, I want to live long share the gospel, die, and be forgotten. And what he means by that is it's not about me. Mm -hmm. He's okay if no one puts anything on his headstone because no one's probably going to visit it. Mm -hmm. he, he's okay with that. For me, you'll see a lot of my photos on social media where I point, and it's kind of been a, a, a coin of, they call it the Luke Ayers pose, pose. And it's been funny because I want people to know that person you two ladies, whoever I'm standing beside, they're the focus of the most important person. To be remembered is a guy who made others the most valuable, most important person he was he he dealt with. Luke made people feel important, um, even down to my seniors graduating. You know, they don't uh, even even your daughter and boyfriend. Like Tish is is not my boyfriend, her boyfriend, her boyfriend, her <laughs> her daughter and her boyfriend. But I'm very intentional with the letters I'm writing and very intentional with their gifts that I bought them, right? And I just want to be remembered if someone who made people feel important. Because a lot of times people go to bed not feeling important or not seen. I want people to be seen. You know, that, that clears up a question for me because a lot of the guys that you have mentored um, and been influence over i've watched their pictures on social media and they have that pose <laughs> and i was always like that is so odd it's not like a piece it's not like like what is that and copycats it's some people call it copycats <laughs> i call it the good discipleship okay discipleship <laughs> because yeah i mean the story behind that i'm like they're paying attention they're listening you like that's saw awesome. boys, all these boys last sunday showed up in blue blazers and cowboy hats and everybody was like, I guess, I guess all those country boys uh, went to prom like that. No, they were just all bought new hats and boots and they were showing off and trying to be it. like me. I was like, this is so awkward. I love it. <laughs> so, yeah, it's cool to see your influence already being played out. And, uh, and thanks yeah. for clarifying that now. That'll, yeah. I'll, that'll just make me smile every time I see those pictures. So. Yeah. The way you want to be remembered is, is God's greatest commandment to love God and to love others. That's and right. that's, that's beautiful. I love we it. Can keep it real simple. People yep. complicate it. I say yep. business world and church world really complicate complicate success. Yep. yep. We love God and love people. Things are going to work out. Yep. You can't outgive God. You can't outserve God. 
and God does not have a plan B. Hmm. True. True. Andrew, if you want to talk about how to connect with him. So yes, uh, Luke, how can people connect with you, connect with your organization um, if they're wanting to help, volunteer, anything like that? Sure. So I always say Noonan, Georgia. That's where I'm born and raised. That's where my dad, uh, I was born here. Um, our organization, the easiest thing to find is Hope Global Noonan. Um, our website is hopeglobalnoonan.com. If you Google it, you'll see us on all the articles that were in the paper. You'll see our fundraising initiatives. You'll see our programs on our website. You'll see what we did yesterday. Um, of course, the, the social media platforms, Luke Ayers and uh, Luke Ayers Life. Um, that's something we've coined is like with Facebook and Instagram. Hope Global has Facebook, Instagram. We're very active in the community, but very active and responsive online. So you can, um, I joke with people. I have lots of people I talk to every day, but I'm the most available, most easiest person to get in touch with, right? So it doesn't matter who you are. I will try to make myself available. Um, and that's how you can connect. And then our big initiatives, so our mentor program, we're, we're still trying to launch here at the Hope Center, our summer program. Um, we're trying to get people to host and, um, you know, financially sponsor our block party. So we get to know more families that are just, you know, sitting around the house. Um, and then uh, our international initiatives um, for people who are passionate about that. And of course, the newest one, the Hope Farm. So we're going to be planting seeds of hope for generations to come. Um, and we need people who believe in that, you know, so that's kind of where we're focusing right now. If someone Great. wants to serve in one of those capacities, how do they they can reach out to me personally or the website. We have an awesome team who like goes through and tries to figure out like, where do you want to serve? What are your talents? What's your passions and how you want to serve? Um, or they could contact me personally on any of my social media uh, platforms and um, we'll get them connected fast for any listener um, or on YouTube. I'll say, uh, don't reach out unless you want to jump in because we're all about jumping in the deep end. Love it. <laughs> Love it. Great. Well, thank you so much for your time. Um, I know every person who hears this will be inspired and um, I pray that it will just tug somebody's heart to say, this is where I want to serve and, and to partner with your, um, your mission. So thank you. Thank you so much. I feel, I feel honored and uh, I feel honored and unqualified, but I'm so excited to be here with you guys. <laughs> thank you very much, Luke. And for all our listeners, um, just remember whatever your story is, own it, share it and let God use it. Y'all have a blessed day. Bye guys.